So today's message is making friends for Jesus. You know, some of us do that really well. Some of us, yeah, we need some work. So whichever category you happen to be in, just think about that. Am I making friends for Jesus? Am I making friends for Jesus? In a recent Touching Lives devotion, have you ever heard of Dr. James Merritt? He has a great uh, little devotion that he does, and I get that on a regular basis from him. And every now and then it stirs something up in me. And this week, uh, he shared something, and I just wanted to share the first part of it. And it has to do with a scripture from the Psalms, and then also he brought in a little tidbit about uh, Bear Bryant. How many know who I'm talking about? Alabama University. So, in fact, if you watch The Blind Side, that's where they're at. You know, that's, that's a movie if you didn't know that. <laughs> um, you want, I wanted to start with this, and it is taken from Psalm 90 and 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's what this message is going to be about today. Numbering your days. What does that mean? How many remember your birthday? Most of us do. A few of us, it's getting a little fuzzy. We remember yearly things, don't we? Like our anniversary, when we had our children maybe, or at least most of us remember that. How about when you became born again? You know, usually that sticks in your mind pretty well. When you graduated high school, some of you are going back now for your, what, 50th reunion? But we don't think about each day like we do on a yearly basis, those special moments. But I believe we should. The fact is, we each have the same number, right? 365 days in a year to work with to bring glory and praise to our Heavenly Father. Right? So how do we number our days as the psalmist is suggesting here? And this is where I wanted to share from Bear Bryant, who coached the Alabama football team, and here I'm quoting Dr. Merritt. When he died, if you didn't know that, he did. When he died, his family found a crumpled yellow piece of paper in his wallet. He had obviously carried it with him for years and had folded it and unfolded it and read it many times. And it said, this is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. You still with me? When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving something in its place that I have traded for it. I want it to be gain, not loss, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not forget the price that I paid for it, end quote. This guy's deep. I mean, he could be a philosopher with thinking like that. When you wake up in the morning, do you think about what you're going to do with that day? How you're going to use it to bring God glory and praise and honor? How you're going to bless others? I've been told that people who have had life and death situations, they tend to live life a lot fuller than the rest of us. Why? 
because they no longer take each day for granted. Some of you fit into that category, and I've watched you. You've, you've been on the table where they've actually had to and bring you back. And you're different because of that. Because you realize how precious life really is. And each day is a new blessing from the Lord. But I think often we forget about that. Why should we live our lives to the glory of God? Let me answer by first asking this question. How many of you are born again? I should raise my hand too. Yeah, look, many of us, if not most of us. That means that we've repented of our sins and we've given our life over to God, right? You saw the hands. Everyone should know this, but salvation is what? A gift, right? Did you earn it? Did you deserve it? No. Yet, you still got it. We don't pay for our salvation. We don't earn it. In fact, I wanted to share the scripture that alludes to this. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says what? God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So not none of us can boast about it. You can't go out there and go, oh, look at how wonderful I am now that I'm saved. Because I've earned it. No, you didn't earn it. In fact, if you got what you deserved, it would be the opposite. And you'd be spending somewhere else through eternity. Paul said we're saved by grace, not by our own doing, when we first believed. Now this part's important. Repenting and Putting your life into Christ, being born again, in other words, is just the beginning of that relationship. Repenting and giving your life to Christ, putting your trust in Him, that's just the beginning. And here's my concern, and I believe this is where the Holy Spirit was trying to head me. I fear that many people, once they're born again, that's it. That's the end. That's, you know what, just go on living my life like I did yesterday, like I did a year ago, like I did 20 years ago. When you say yes to Jesus, that is the beginning. That is the beginning of your new life with Christ. Can you say amen? amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the New King James. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So God has changed you as a result of you putting your trust in him through the blood of Christ. You are a brand new person. Now obviously, nothing changed on the outside other than maybe your countenance, your smile. You should have a smile once you're born again. Right? You have a lot to be thankful for. But it was the change was on the inside. Because I, I used to be a, a dastardly person. Yeah. I was not nice. And I've told you this many times. And some of you are saying, well, you're still not. But <laughs> be nice. And most of the time I am. Listen, God changed me from the inside out. I am different than I used to be. And you should be thankful for that. 
because I could be mean. I'm just thankful I'm not that person anymore. I'm new, and your new life doesn't end, hear this, when your body gives out. You know, this is just a tent that we use while we're on this earth, but when this heart stops beating, and it will one day, when it stops beating, or when Jesus comes back for us and trans translates us up, takes us up with him, whichever way it goes, because I believe we're in that generation that's going to see it happen. That's not the end. In fact, it's just the continuation. The spirit that's in us is going to be transported into a new body, a glorified body that will never die. Where we will live forever with Jesus in heaven. Now there's going to be a thousand years on the earth. I'm not going into all the semantics of that today. Just to say that it doesn't end when you say yes to Jesus. That's just the beginning. Salvation is free to us, but we need to realize that it cost God much. God loved us so much, he was willing to send his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. John 3.16. As such, since Jesus Christ gave his life for us, shouldn't we respond to him, to this gift of salvation, by looking for ways to honor him with our lives? How many would say yes? Two of you? Is that what your salvation means to you? How many would say yes? It's better. Still not unanimous. Think about it. What did he do for you? We would be lost without him. We wouldn't be able to commune with God. We wouldn't be able to pray to God. But he made a way where there was no other way. Our sins are forgiven. When he looks at me, when he looks at you, if you're born again, he no longer sees us as sinful man. But he sees the blood has cleansed us, the blood of his son, and he sees Jesus in us. And he welcomes us, just like his own son. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. How do we honor God with this life? By living like Jesus, I heard. By getting up each morning, each new day, and giving our lives over to the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not make you do anything that you aren't willing to do on your own. You've got to say, Lord, have your way. Do with me as you will. And, and I, I wrote a little prayer, and this is just an example, all right? I don't expect your prayer to be exactly like this, but when you get up, say something like this, Lord, I thank you for this new day. I pray that I will draw closer to you today than I was yesterday. That's a good prayer, isn't it? I also give you permission, and we need to do this. Lord, I give you permission to do with me as you choose. That's a dangerous prayer. Because he might ask you to do some things that <laughs> you might not want to do. So by giving him permission to 
have you do that, you're saying, Lord, I'll do whatever it is you tell me to do. Show me who to bless, who to pray for, who to minister to. And at the end of the day, I pray you will be well pleased, you will be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Pray something like that. Each and every morning, when you first get up, give God permission to use you and see what happens next. That's how all born-again believers should begin their day, I believe. Can I get a good amen on that? Following this vein of thought, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. And this is, when I read this the first time, I went, huh? I never realized that this passage said this. Here in uh, Luke chapter 16, and the actual title of this in my Bible is the parable of the shrewd manager. All right? Shrewd being cunning, right? Uh, Not necessarily sneaky, but could be. Jesus shared this story about a rich ruler who had found out that his manager had been embezzling money from his company. Now, today, what would we do with a person like that? Promote them. No. You'd fire them, and then you'd have them arrested. I see it in the paper all the time. I can't believe how many people end up getting arrested for pilfering the cash box. But back in the first century, they did do things a little different, Jeff. They gave the manager time to get the books in order so that they knew where everything was. Today, not so much. They walk you out before they terminate you. The manager cunningly decided to take advantage of this time. And he went to some of his master's wealthier clients, and he told them, he said, listen, If you'll pay me such and such an amount, then I will forget this amount of debt. Now you have to understand that they were expected to pay their debt off in full when their crops came in. So this is before the crops obviously were being harvested. So there was a little bit of time in between. And this man got several, and the Bible actually talks about two, that actually went for this and said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you $800 instead of a, a 1000 or I'm just using that number. Normally, when their crops were harvested, they would have to pay the full amount back. But here he was giving them a break. But it wasn't his money. <laughs> he was having these uh, business people, if you will, he was forgetting 20% of their debt when it wasn't even his to forgive. There's a lot of things going on here. Why did the manager do that? And what did the master think about? Now, before I go any farther, who knows who the master was in this story? It's the Lord. It's God, all right? Who's the manager? We are, the sinful man. All right, so when I talk about the manager, that's us. Everybody say, that's us. What was he thinking? What was this manager thinking? He knew that after he was fired, he was going to have to do manual labor. He was going to have to actually beg for food. And he wasn't going to have that. He wasn't made that way in his mind. So what did he do? He went to these richer clients and he said, I'll forgive you if you'll pay this off right now. 
I don't get it. Why did he do this? Because afterwards, later, when he went to see them, what would they do? Oh, hey, you, you forgave 20% of my debt. I like you. He made friends. Some would say, well, it was a little sneaky how he did it. I get that. But you know what? The master actually commends him for being shrewd. God commended the sneaky manager for doing what he did. Now, let me back up a little bit. Everything that manager had was God's. Everything you and I have is God's. There's a little story that I wanted to share, a little, a little uh, joke, if you will. Cameron, I'm sorry. A bunch of scientists challenged God and said, Hey, God, we scientists, we figured out a way to make man just like you did back in the book of Genesis. God said, Oh, you did, did you? Why, yes, we did, they said proudfully. Well, show me this feat, God said. No problem. It was really quite easy. And with that, the scientists started to gather up some dirt, and they, just as they were about to start working with it, forming the man, the Lord said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. Get your own dirt. Some of you knew where that was going. I know that's a bit corny, but it emphasizes this point. Everything, say that with me. Everything. Everything belongs to God. All the cattle on a thousand hills, according to Scripture. All the silver and gold. Every person, every animal, the breath we breathe is God's. It all belongs to Him. So knowing that, second, Jesus was pointing out that just like the cunning manager who used his master's stuff for gain, we too should use what is already God's and build our security in heaven. And I wanted to turn to verse 9. I want to read from this. I've been paraphrasing up to this point. Not very well. Luke 16, 9-12 through 12 in the NLT, it says, Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to what? Let's say that again. Would you say that part from use? Use your... You guys say it. I can't. Use your worldly... All right. I'm just going to pray and we'll be done. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. I'd never seen this before. I was like, what? Because I didn't think this had anything to do with where this message was going today. But it did. He commended that sneaky manager for using his resources in order to win friends so that later they would welcome him in. Maybe even give him a job. And God said, I want you to do the same thing. This is coming right from the mouth of Jesus. Use what I've given you 
It's all mine. Use it to win friends. Wow. I thought that was pretty good. Take what you have on this side of heaven, for it all belongs to God anyway. Use it to benefit others and to win friends. The next two, three verses, if you are faithful in the little things, so this is following this advice, if you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? God's talking to his people, you and me. In the last verse, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? So God's not going to give you the increase in your life if you're not faithful what he's already given you. Use it to bring God glory. Everything you're about, everything you have, all your earthly talents, all your earthly treasures, they directly correlate with how much responsibility you're going to have in heaven. Some of you are going to be tended to the outdoor potties because you weren't faithful with the little things on this side of heaven. I mean, I'd rather be taking care of the outdoor potties than the other option. But honestly, who wants to do that? All right? I don't even know if there are potties, but whatever. You get the, the point I'm making. I'd rather have the lowest position in heaven than not be there at all. But... You have an opportunity while you're on this side to make friends for Jesus. To use everything that you're about, everything that you have to win people to Jesus. Here's the skinny on what I believe Jesus is saying here. One day you're going to be bankrupt, meaning and the only treasure that you will have in heaven will be the friends that you've helped along the way. Ooh. Is this hitting anybody besides me? Now hear this part. Most expositors believe the friends that Jesus is addressing here are the poor, the weak, the suffering people that surround us, that we've helped along the way. You know, in Luke 5, Jesus said he came to heal the sick, not the healthy. So the people that need our friendship the most are the ones who are down and out. The lost. And this brings me to use your worldly resources to make friends and help lead them to a life with Christ. Because there's, no there's no other fullness in life unless you meet Christ, unless you give your life to him. Are you in agreement with me so far? You know, we're blessed in this church to have people that are willing to give of themselves. And, and one, of, one of the people that I think the world of is uh, Jen Van Rickenham. And Jen, we love you and, and everything you do, the New Life uh, Pregnancy Resource Center. You're an amazing woman of God, and Bill, love you too for holding her arms up sometimes or all the time, whichever. You're an amazing guy. guy. But Jen, uh, one of the ministries that she does is with the local jail. 
And just be praying for her because she needs our prayers. She goes into the jail on Wednesday evening and she ministers to the ladies there. She makes friends for Jesus. She gives of herself. Is it easy? Are there ever times when you think, man, I don't know if I want to do this or not tonight. You're exhausted and it's like, but then you think, but they need me. They need Jesus in you, yes. Thanks for the clarity. No, that's all right. That's where I was going with it. But they need us. They may not realize it. Some people may not realize it. But they know that there's something different about Jen because she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she represents our King. And more of us need to be like that. But I, I brought her up today as an example, but also so that you would be praying for her, that she would be more effective when she goes into the jail, when she ministers to these. They're, they're, they need hope. They need love. They need what we have. And we can be a part of that. So please pray for Jen on Wednesdays. Remember her as you uh, petition heaven. And I believe that she's going to see amazing things. And if you happen to be a lady and are interested in working with Jen, just talk to her. Would you stand up just so they can see you? Most of you know her, but just in case you don't. That's what Jen does when she enters the jail. That's what Abby and Chelsea are going to do when they go to Guatemala in a couple of weeks. They're going to love the children in Jesus' name. It sounds like they're already friends. And you know what? When you help these people, whether it's praying for them or supporting them, in, in a way, you're actually going with them because you're helping send them. And I believe you're making friends through them. So you don't necessarily have to be the one that goes, but somehow you need to be a part of that process. It's the same with the church. Everything that happens here happens because somebody said, you know what, I want people to come to the Lord. I want Jesus to be glorified. I want this place to be a place of praise for the king. But the lights wouldn't be on. The doors wouldn't be opened if it wasn't for people like you who said, you know what, I want to be a part of that. You may be somebody that greets at the front door, puts that smile on your face every Sunday. Thank you. You're making friends for Jesus. That's right. You might be the person that goes out and weeds the flower beds or plants new flowers. You know, that makes a big difference. People will look at your building. This is statistical. I'm not just making this up. People will look at your building and decide whether or not they're going to visit your church just by how it looks. So if there's some sick person going by, I mean sick spiritually, they're going by out here and they look up and they see that the, the lawn's not mowed, the weeds are growing in the flower beds. What do you think they're going to say? Geez, they can't even take care of their plants and their yard. Why would I want to visit them? 
an opportunity is lost. We could have made a friend with that person. But because some of you have taken it upon yourselves to do these small, menial tasks, it's making a difference. And people are coming in, and they are giving their lives to Jesus, and they are serving Him, all because of you wanting to be a part of God's kingdom. Use what God has blessed you with in order to be a blessing to others. And as I begin to wrap up today's message, most are familiar with the two greatest commands, right? You know the first one. And that's my highlight in red. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And that's Jesus saying this, of course. And then the next one, he said, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's really where I, I wanted to go with this passage. Who's your neighbor? The downcast. The hurting. Anybody know anybody like this? Maybe it's you. <laughs> the broken. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, right? The poor. Not necessarily poor financially. Could be poor spiritually. The unreached. People that need to hear Jesus. To hear about him. To be introduced to him. The mistreated. Oh, do we know people like this. And, and I could go through a whole list with just this one. The forgotten. The people in our nursing homes that can't come to church anymore. Can't get out of their house anymore. They're in jail. Whatever. These people need friends. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask you this. As everybody stands as we begin to, begin to close. What will the master say to you? Again, when he confronted the manager in this story, Jesus said he commended him for being shrewd. And then he tells us in verse 9, now go and do the same thing and make friends so that when you get to heaven, they will welcome you. You going to have anybody on the other side? Are you making friends for Jesus? What this message did as I was preparing it myself and what it said to me was, Norm, there are people out there right in your own neighborhood who need me. Extend a hand. It doesn't take much. Be kind to them. Look for a need and fill it. Just be a friend. Some people, that's all they need is just somebody to say, hey, good morning. How are you today? And be ready, because that could open up. A, some of you did that with me this morning. How you feeling, Pastor? And you got a whole list full of my aches and pains. Sorry about that. People need us. They need the Jesus in us. And God... Holy Spirit wants to use you in this way. 
But you know what? You have to choose whether or not you're going to let him use you. Each day is a new day. New opportunities, new blessings. You got to give it to him and say, have, have your way. Use me, Lord, <laughs> as you see fit today. Whatever it is, whatever it means. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we are humbled to think that you would have sent Jesus to pay the ultimate price for our sins. But because of him, Lord, you no longer judge us for our sinfulness. Rather, we're judged in righteousness through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I pray today, Lord, that we would take this message to heart and that we would use what you've given us to make friends for Jesus, to lead people to the Christ, our living Savior, to help them understand what he means to us and what he can do for them. Forgive their sins, lift that heavy burden off, and set their life on a new trajectory. You can do that. You did it with me. You did it with others in this room. You can do it for them. As Jesus said, he came to minister to the sick, not the healthy. God, I pray we would look for opportunities to introduce them to Dr. Jesus and to make friends in the process. So that one day, when this heart stops beating, there are going to be many people in heaven waiting for me to get there, waiting for them to get there, because they had a part in their salvation. They had a part in introducing them to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Cement this message to us today. Help us to be faithful and to live for you every day that we have left. And everybody said, amen, amen. That's it. God bless you.